Welcome to Life-Giving Water Messages, where I expound upon the Word of God and, through the internet, deliver it to you. My name is Reverend Todd Laddick, and today I bring to you part two of a three-part uh, series entitled I See You, with today's message specifically entitled Sisters Are Doing It For Themselves, based off of Numbers chapter 27, verses 1 through 11. So let us dive into the Word today. One day, a petition was presented by the daughters of Zelophehad, Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Terza. Their father, Zelophehad, was a descendant of Hefer, son of Gilead, son of Machir, son of Manasseh, son of Joseph. These women stood before Moses, Eleazar the high priest, the tribal leaders, and the entire community at the entrance of the tabernacle. Our father died in the wilderness, they said. He was not among Korah's followers who rebelled against the Lord. He died because of his own sin. But he had no sons. Why should the name of our father disappear from his clan just because he had no sons? Give us property along with the rest of our relatives. So Moses brought their case before the Lord. And the Lord replied to Moses, The claim of the daughters of Zelophehad is legitimate. You must give them a grant of land along with their father's relatives. Assign them the property that would have been given to their father. And give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If a man dies and has no son, then give his inheritance to his daughters. And if he has no daughter either, transfer his inheritance to his brothers. If he has no brothers, give his inheritance to his father's brothers. But if his father has no brothers, give his inheritance to the nearest relative in his clan. This is a legal requirement for the people of Israel, just as the Lord has command just as the Lord commanded Moses. Amen. Last week we saw the importance of listening to the voices on the margins. However, it is not enough to just listen. We must also Act. Now, Mulan, Mulan, Hua Mulan, is uh, one of my favorite Disney characters. Of course, in the original animated film, she's just known as Mulan. But she's more than just a fairy tale princess. She's more than just a work of fiction. In fact, she wasn't a princess at all. She was a commoner whose father had served honorably in the military. Uh, as all men were required to serve in the military as a part of their their uh, duty, as uh, you know, as men living in under the uh, the dynasty that they lived in, um, and this is common. Quite quite frankly, this is common throughout much of the world. You know, we we're one of the few volunteer militaries in the in in the world, uh, the United States, that is, and there are other militaries um, around the world that are volunteer as well, but. But basically, uh, most people around the world in many countries have no choice. A part of their obligation as being citizens of their country is that they have to serve in the military. It's that way in the South in South Korea. Um, it's that way in a lot of the world. Um, and so she's more than just um, a work of fiction. 
Hua Milan is actually a Chinese legend. She was a legendary folk heroine from the Northern and Southern Dynasties era of China, which means she lived somewhere between the 300s and the 500s AD. Now, according to legend, Hua Milan lived in the Northern Wei Dynasty during the time when the Huns were conquering everyone around them. Anyone who has taken world history knows of the Golden Horde, which was the kingdom established by the Mongolian Khans in the 13th century AD. The Huns, it is believed, were the ancestors of the Golden Horde. According, and according to the Hua Mulan legend, they were on the move to attack and conquer the Northern Wei dynasty. So the emperor put out a, dec a decree demanding that all fam families send a man to represent their family and fight in the army. This wasn't a, this wasn't a suggestion. This was a decree. All men were to join the army, army immediately. Now, they already had an army, but they needed more people there. So those who weren't serving had to go back and serve. Uh, now, you know, um, that, you know, Basically, what that meant was that most families were going to be sending their oldest, most capable son. But for Milan's father, that was not the case. Like me, he had daughters. That, of course, meant that he would have to go himself to represent his family in the imperial army. Now, Hua Milan's father was an older man. And uh, somewhat feeble. And the likeliness that he would survive was pretty slim. So what would any child do to save their father? What would any family member do to keep their loved ones alive? However, in that culture of honor, where honor is so important, the only honorable thing for the father to do is to sacrifice himself for the good of his family and for the good of his country. <laughs> tell that to Hua Mulan. Once she learned that her father was to go to war and that he was most likely going to die, there was only one thing she could do. And that was to cut her hair, dress like a man, and go to war on behalf of her father as his son. Scholars equally debate whether Hua Mulan was a person of history or just a legend. For me, all legends bear some truth, and I have no doubt she was a real person that inspired a ballad about her. Whether her name was Mulan or Hua Mulan or, or you know, or the specifics of the story, if they're all accurate, that, that you know, irrelevant. Somebody inspired this legend. And of course, there have been 1,600 years of embellishment, so we can't take Disney's adaptation to be historical fact. But the heart of the Mulan legend is found in each telling of the story. When we listen to and see the needs of others, we are compelled to act, even if it's going to cost us greatly to do so. Mere acknowledgement and words are not enough. Now, last week I, I shared a story of uh, how one of our youth got excluded from receiving a scholarship because of a lack of attendance that was due to a chronic health condition. That happened not out of malice, but because no one stopped to listen and recognize the need of this specific uh, youth. Once I found out about that and notified the leadership, 
they recognized how wrong that was. And they acted upon that recognition. Friends, knowledge obligates us to do what is right. That student received the scholarship, albeit a few years late, and was very appreciative of it. It showed that particular youth, who's no longer a youth, um, that, that he mattered. He mattered. That he was cared for by his church. Another example of our church acting in the face of need is our support of the weekend bag program. I met uh, Isabel and her mom at a rotary meeting, <clears throat> excuse me, and learned of her great work in combating food insufficiency among her peers in high school. Some people, she found out, were literally starving over the weekend because of their families not being able to afford food. The only good meals they got were at school, which meant they went Friday night to uh, Friday night to Monday morning without any real food. Once Isabel discovered that, she was compelled to act. Her organization's motto is being a kid doesn't hold you back from making a difference in your community or world. Once I knew of her organization and the need she was filling, I knew that we as a church could partner with her. And I invited her to speak to our congregation on a Sunday morning. And my congregation heard her testimony about all the good she was doing, and they saw the need. And our congregation decided to partner with her right then and there. They donated on that Sunday $1,263, $400 in gift cards uh, to supermarkets, and $863 in cash and check donations. And since then, we've been collecting and donating food and toiletries in our barrel in, the, in, the, in our narthex uh, for the weekend bag program. In fact, recently we just had some, uh, some of those things picked up. And as it turns out, uh, the weekend bag program is even needed more now during the pandemic than it was when people were in person. Because now those kids are, were mostly staying home you know, um, be, you know, seven days a week. And thankfully, schools, uh, our school system and many school systems opened up their buildings to hand out food for that very reason. And I know that, um, that the weekend bag program has been instrumental in that, in, in, filling, that, in filling the void in between those uh, times when people can come and pick up food. Now, ancient Israel's the ancient Israelite tradition gave the right of inheritance to sons only. Women were thus not able to inherit property. However, despite this cultural practice, Zelophehad's uh, daughters ch challenged the tradition of their time by speaking to the leaders. When their father died, Zelophehad's daughters, all named in the text, asked Moses and the other leaders for their father's property. When the women spoke to the leaders, the leaders did not dismiss their appeal, but instead they listened and took it to God. 
Furthermore, God listened to the daughters and affirmed them, saying, The claim of the daughters of Zelophehad is legitimate. Because of this, the legal code was rewritten to give the inheritance to one's daughters if they had no sons, and to ensure that that inheritance stayed within the family, as close to the, the person as possible. Biblically, this is not an isolated incident. Jesus openly challenged laws and traditions that were exclusive by nature. He saw the image of God reflected in those whom society deemed unworthy, and he enthusiastically invited them into the kingdom of God. God will step in to break tradition in order to bring justice. That is for sure and for certain in the uh, Bible, Old and New Testament alike. God will step in to break tradition in order to bring justice. To those who, up until now, have been excluded or deemed unworthy, God's going to bring justice. But God includes us in bringing about justice. The women stood up for what they believed to be right. They acted on their convictions Likewise, Moses first listened and then acted. Unfortunately, the women shouldn't have had to defend themselves. That should have been something the men thought about. But often we don't. So thank God Moses was willing to bring that to God and hear what God had to say about it rather than his own inclinations. Was there a time... When some long-held tradition or practice stopped you from receiving what you needed or felt was a basic human right? For instance, have you been challenged at the voting booth? Or faced difficulties purchasing a house in a neighborhood where the residents didn't look like you? I'm going to guess that for uh, probably a large majority of my, my listeners, a large majority of you out there, you probably haven't experienced that. Especially if you're a white person. Most definitely if you're a white person. But for those uh, who listen who may be uh, people of color or considered different in some other sort of way by the majority, I bet you this is a very real experience for you. Or perhaps you wanted to marry someone you loved, but the law said your love for each other was not valid. I'm sure we have listeners who have had that experience. And God knows the United Methodist Church has not been the best place when it comes to that. We're hoping to change. But it's been a long and uh, tiring and frustrating road. Was there a time when a long-held tradition discouraged or intimidated you from acting on behalf of someone else? particularly someone excluded by that tradition. In today's scripture lesson, God extended the table wider to include those at the margins, women. We have a lot of traditions in our churches, communities, and world. Sometimes we're not even sure why the traditions exist in the first place. Some even inadvertently exclude people, not realizing that they are. But there are traditions in place that we hide behind the Bible with in order to exclude people. Well, the Bible says, I didn't make the rules, God did. 
without really stopping to ask God if that is God's will or not. Remember, the Bible is 3,000 years old, and yes, it's, it's authoritative. It absolutely is authoritative. It's our primary source of knowing God and knowing the witness of God throughout, throughout millennia. There's nothing more true than that. So it is authoritative. But we have to understand that when we're reading the Bible, we are interpreting the Bible. When we're reading the Bible, we're going through laws that were 3,000 years old maybe older. And we're determining what what God wants for us today. I mean, none of us would throw out science. Well, maybe I shouldn't say none of us. Some of us probably would. But many of us wouldn't throw out science and medicine just because they didn't have that in the Bible, in the biblical days. Most of us acknowledge that there were dinosaurs, even though the Bible doesn't mention them. I mean, there, you know, the Bible itself is true. It's true. It is the truth. But how we interpret it can make it not true. And that's always been the case. That's always been the case. Jesus told the Pharisees that was the case. In today's scripture lesson, God extended the table wider. How is God calling us to widen our table to include people and voices that have been excluded? Who do we need to listen to and how are we being called to act for justice? Are we the inclusive church of God or an exclusive members-only country club? Think about that. Do we, do we seek to invite and get to know people who are different than us? Or do we expect them to seek us out? How can we individually and as a church grow to be even more inclusive? In what ways can we actively seek out the lost, the least, and the marginalized? Again, these questions aren't merely rhetorical. I, I believe it's important to engage you during a sermon. So if there is any way that you think that we can grow as a church, and I'm not just meaning my congregation in particular, but the church as a whole, I'd love to hear from you. Leave comments. Wherever you uh, leave comments on my, you can go to uh, lifegivingwaterdevo.com uh, where this is posted every week, and you can actually um, uh, click on the post for this podcast, and you can leave comments there. Or you could go to uh, uh, lifegivingwaterdevo.com msg.org and you can leave comments there i'd love to hear from you and and hear what you what your thoughts are on this uh, but think on it i'd love to hear from you amen amen let us pray gracious and loving god we just thank you for uh this this message which is challenging but is so important for us to hear we know lord we know that you are calling us to grow in this way and in so many ways. And so we thank you for leading us in the direction of growth so that we may become more wholly yours and bring others along with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again, friends, for tuning in. It's always great to have you here. If this is your main 
uh, spiritual sustenance for the week uh, and you are feeling called by the Holy Spirit to give, we could we certainly could use it and would appreciate it. The links are in the episode notes, which I encourage you to check out regardless of whether you give or not. If this is supplemental, then by all means, uh, and you attend another church, give, the, give to your church. I mean, if you want to give to both of us, neither of us would argue that, but give to your church and support your church as they need it as well. These have been trying times. Uh, but with all things said, you know, remember you are richly blessed so that you may be a blessing to others. Amen. Amen.